title. And so far, we've thought about Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King. And uh, last, um, last Sunday, uh, C.S. Ray gave us a talk on Ben Lewis. Uh, um, sorry, that was... Uh, um, ben Ray gave us a talk on C.S. Lewis. And today, we'll talk about Amy Oxley-Wilkinson. Um, you might be wondering who Amy Oxley-Wilkinson is and be thinking, well, just how famous is this person? Well, actually, if any of you had ever heard of her before, I would be very surprised. I hadn't heard of her myself until quite recently. But actually, if we were here for worship 100 years ago, 1919, um, she was then a reasonably well-known person, pretty much a household name in Australia and Great Britain, especially among Christians. If we were gathering for worship here at St. Barnabas 100 years ago, we'd probably be praying for her and writing her letters and sending her gifts of money and materials as one of our CMS missionaries. In my talk today, um, there'll be little by way of overt analysis or reflection or theologizing. I'm, I'm just going to try to let the story speak for itself. You might like to think about various themes as we move through the story. Um, perhaps themes such as we've discerned for other talks, maybe like with sacrifice comes authority. Or, or alternatively, perhaps you could bear in mind the proverb, there's no evangelism without servanthood. And for those of you who are familiar with Christian cross-cultural missions today, perhaps you can enjoy the way in which Amy and her husband George were pioneers of the contemporary way in which missions are done today. Well, uh, Amy Oxley was born on the 13th of January, 1868. Interestingly, even at birth, she had a strong missionary heritage. Uh, she was, on her mother's side, the great-granddaughter of Samuel Marsden. Um, you may already know that name well. Samuel uh, was a member of the Church Missionary Society, CMS, and strongly influenced by his close friend, William Wilberforce, and encouraged by evangelical leader Charles Simeon, Samuel Marsden was the first chaplain to the colony of uh, Port Jackson, New South Wales, arriving in 1794. Um, as part of his appointment, he was also a magistrate, and uh, for that, he was remembered by the convicts as the flogging parson. But he's also a pioneer pastoralist in another sense, too. He became one of our first sheep farmers. And uh, Samuel is uh, recognized and deeply loved in New Zealand as New Zealand's first missionary. He prepared for the task of taking the gospel to New Zealand by learning Maori from a Maori friend and buying a large boat, which he used to sail to New Zealand in 1814. Uh, he led New Zealand's first ever church service on Christmas Day of that year, 1814. And over the next 25 years, Marsden traveled backwards and forwards between New Zealand and Australia some seven times, negotiating peace between warring Maori tribes, speaking against infanticide, and establishing a training school for Maori ministers. Getting back to Amy, well, that was on her mother's side. On her father's side, Amy was the granddaughter of John Oxley, a notable early explorer and surveyor general of the colony of New South Wales. 
He chose uh, the site for the city that today we know of as Brisbane. He was a member of various societies and groups, including the British and Foreign Bible Society. Well, for Amy, growing up uh, a strong Christian in a, in a, in a passionate church-going family, Amy lived in various places in rural New South Wales, Geelong in Victoria, and then a, a district of Sydney, which is now an, in a suburb of Sydney, um, Hunters Hill. Uh, she went to the local school, Glebe Public School, and her hobby was rowing. As Amy's um, school days drew to a conclusion, she was asked by the school to stay on as a pupil teacher. This was how most teachers were trained. In their mid-teens, capable female students were asked if they'd like to stay on, learning teaching hands-on, as it were, alongside a classroom teacher. Now, as a school teacher, Amy became increasingly aware of the importance of health to education. Although the Glebe School had many, many huge number of students, on any one day, a very large proportion of them could be away due to illness and disease. Cholera, diphtheria, scarlet fever, measles, um, uh, polio. Amy was developing an interest in what today we would call holistic care becoming increasingly interested in medicine and in healthcare, Amy applied to do nursing at the Sydney Hospital for Sick Children, and she was accepted. Amy had a strong faith in Jesus Christ, even from childhood, even as a child. From childhood, she'd heard stories about missionaries working overseas, missionaries such as her great-grandfather, Samuel Marsden. And she attended... Uh, St. Barnabas Church of England, Glebe, now uh, St. Barnabas Anglican Church Broadway, one of Sydney's more famous churches. Um, at St. Barnabas, she was encouraged to see her work in teaching and nursing as a God-given vocation, and she was encouraged to consider uh, her future carefully. In Sydney, there were a few Chinese churches as well, and in 1885, the ordination of the evangelist Su Hu Ten at St. Andrew's Cathedral was in the newspapers. At St. Barnabas, Amy heard about early Anglican missions in Shanghai, Hong Kong, and Fuchao, and everyone was talking about Hudson Taylor and his inland China inland mission and his pioneering approach to cross-cultural ministry. Um, and missions. He, he even dressed like the locals. He abandoned Western dress in order to, to dress uh, like the locals. When Australia's first missionary to China, Mary Reed, returned on furlough to Sydney, um, she, uh, um, her experiences were reported in the Sydney Morning Herald, and Amy was fascinated. Um, Amy attended Mary Reed's talks and followed closely the reports on Hudson Taylor. But Amy's decision to become a missionary to China was clinched, was cinched, clinched, whatever the word is, when she met in 1892 the Irishman, uh, the Reverend Robert Stewart, a pioneer missionary with CMS. Uh, and uh, he worked in um, uh, Kuchen, Fukien province, China. Um, Stewart spoke of how families prayed to household idols for protection and lived in fear of reprisals from angry ancestor spirits. 
He, he showed the very little ladies' shoes worn by girls and women who'd had their feet bound from childhood um, so as to live with aesthetically pleasing tiny feet, but also in crippling pain. He described how there were towers outside the villages, towers with a small hole and enclosing a deep pit into which unwanted female babies were thrown. And he spoke about missionaries who were setting up schools and hospitals to minister to the physical needs of the Chinese people whilst also ministering to their spiritual needs, teaching them about Jesus and the gospel. The mentioning of teaching and medicine excited Amy greatly, and she was hooked. Applying to CMS New South Wales, she was accepted and began missionary training at the newly opened Marsden Training Home, named in honor of her great-grandfather. There she studied the Bible and apologetics. She studied geography, first aid and music, as well as electives on nursing and obstetrics. After two years of training, Amy left for China in December 1895. In China, Amy saw for herself the many problems facing the Chinese people. Those problems included opium addiction, foot minding, the killing of girl babies, and lack of education. Opium addiction. The British sold opium to the Chinese for huge profits. And large numbers of people, especially men, not only men, but mostly men, became addicted to smoking opium, which left you thoroughly lethargic, unable to do uh, anything. Um, uh, this led, in turn, to the collapse of village life. It rendered people unfit for work and eventually families and communities poor and homeless. It was crippling Chinese society. China said no to the British opium trade in the early 1840s, uh, to which the British responded by literally sending in the gunboats, uh, sending in the navy uh, and declaring war in order to keep the ports open. Um, listening to the news, um, uh, the, a radio article during the week, um, an economist was talking about how the current opioid crisis in the US in economic terms is, is costing that country $175 billion a year. Um, uh, in, in all of the, it's, it, it's, it, it's, uh, that's just in economic terms. But uh, of course, you know, we have a drug crisis. The, U, the U.S. Um, has uh, an opioid uh, crisis. Um, you know, these things continue. Um, infanticide. Um, girls were often considered an economic liability, especially among the poorer people, because of the dowry system, the obligation to give money to the family of the girl's husband when she married. As a result, uh, many baby girls were killed by way of the aforementioned towers or by simply leaving them out in the fields to die of exposure or, most commonly of all, uh, by drowning. But the specific problem that particularly demanded Amy's attention, it just turned out to be the plight of the blind. There were large numbers of blind children, especially actually blind boys in Chinese society. And that was the result of many factors, including vitamin A deficiency, trachoma, glaucoma, congenital problems, household accidents and measles, and combined with the complete powerlessness of Chinese medicine to do anything about those specific problems. Among the more affluent Chinese, sightless people 
could become respected fortune tellers, musicians, or occasionally administrators. But as Amy noticed, to be a blind boy of poor Chinese parents was a terrible thing. It was quite common for fathers to try to kill their blind sons by one means or another, only to be rescued perhaps uh, by their mothers. Amy's work alongside other missionaries that she lived and worked with, um, her, her work was to attend to basic medical treatment and provide education as best she could. The needs and the demands of the work were frequently overwhelming as huge numbers of people came for treatment, relief and help. And along the way, they were taught about Jesus and they were told about the gospel and they helped many, many converts memorize the Lord's Prayer and various hymns and psalms and the creeds. They were seeing large numbers of Chinese people coming to faith in Jesus Christ and being set free from binding fears, addictions and illnesses. Amy sometimes berated herself for occasionally getting short-tempered with people under the pressure of the severe demands that were upon her. She experienced a phenomenon uh, that um, is clearly recognizable and today is known as compassion fatigue. But along the way, Amy kept on being urged by Chinese mothers to do something for their blind sons. Amy wrote, quote, Going to a village one day, I stumbled across a helpless blind boy cowering in a ditch. He told me his father had wanted to kill him, but seeing I was coming, he left him for me. To be blind is a terrible thing. To be blind of poor Chinese parentage is still more terrible. My sympathy was drawn out as I thought about them being blind of God's um, beautitious world around and blind of heaven's own light. Unquote. In other words, um, thought about what it meant to be both physically and spiritually blind. And so, little by little, Amy decided to open a school for blind boys, copying a basic model she'd seen adopted elsewhere by other Western missionaries in China. Amy wrote to her aunt saying, It is so very wonderful the way the Lord has given me this work to do and has gently led me step to step. Not with a great bound that would have frightened me. Taking in boys to care for as their families pressed them on her or who found their own way to her door, Amy began a school that within two decades was to grow to have well over a hundred students. Amy built upon approaches she'd seen elsewhere and she incorporated many of her own ideas. Um, the boys spent about half their working day learning a trade, such as making mats, weaving, basket making, etc., etc. They spent the other half of their working day learning to read and write, as well as arithmetic. They learned to read uh, in Braille in both Chinese and English, and they learned to write uh, by way of Braille typewriters that transpose Chinese characters into a phonetic Latin script. But they also had plenty of time to play. Amy set up for them a courtyard um, um, playground with climbing frames and swings and seesaws and monkey bars, something that we'd be entirely familiar with from our own schools. Amy was concerned to develop the boys' gross motor skills as well as their fine motor skills. 
And the boys helped each other and soon developed great social confidence, as well as confidence in walking and indeed even running around the playground um, with which they had become so familiar. Part of the curriculum also, curriculum also was to learn a musical instrument or to learn to sing. And there were also daily devotions, Bible studies, prayers and talks, and hymns to learn and sing. When the boys graduated um, from the school at age 18 or, or thereabouts, they had a real future. They were highly trained, and those of them that didn't continue in manufacturing went on to careers in music or as teachers of the blind. Uh, many of them trained for ministry and became pastors and evangelists. And indeed, overwhelmingly, the boys at the school did give their hearts to Jesus wholeheartedly. This Jesus who loved them and knew them and who had saved them from, from death and sin and condemnation. Um, and um, this was often seen. This, you know, I, I read so many stories uh, in, in one of the books that's deeply impressed by the, the boys would just sing all the time, spontaneously singing choruses and hymns in both English and Chinese, um, praising and worshipping Jesus with great pathos and feeling as well as with great skill. Um, it's very obvious that many of these boys were profoundly and deeply converted and knew their saviour intimately. Well, one of the features of missionary life um, at this time was dealing with uprisings. There were various, various groups that resented foreign influence and saw it as damaging and dangerous. One such group went by way of the fearsome title of the Vegetarians, uh, a, a reference uh, to their diet and their belief that Westerners contaminated food. Another group was called the Boxers, um, in reference to their use of martial arts. They wanted all foreigners, especially Westerners, especially missionaries, out of the country or dead. It has been estimated that in the Boxer Rebellion of 1900, more than 240 missionaries and over 8,000 Chinese converts to Christianity were killed. Um, Amy felt that this was a good time, 1900. Um, she felt it was a good time to come home for a bit of furlough and uh, to uh, escape the dangers and to use that time to raise awareness concerning her school and the needs of the Chinese church. Back in Sydney in 1901, Amy encountered many of the now well-known problems that face returning missionaries. She found it difficult to relate to her family and old friends who were caught up in their own lives and who found it difficult to imagine or understand or even be all that interested in what Amy had experienced. She also suffered what we would now call reverse culture shock, um, the shock of encountering your own home culture, again, but now with newly opened eyes, the eyes of someone who's gotten to know another culture well. Uh, you, when that happens to you, you see the various idolatries and hypocrisies of your own home culture, things that you'd not noticed before because it was simply part of the cultural air you breathed. On New Year's Day in um, 1901, the first day of a new century, Oh, uh, people were much more intelligent back then and much better educated. They could count to ten, which is why they were able to celebrate the start of a new century on the right day rather than a year early as we did. 
Well, on New Year's Day 1901, the start of a new century, Amy joined in the celebrations marking Federation. A new nation was born, the combined six independent colonies of Australia forming the new Commonwealth of Australia. But this coincided with the introduction of the White Australia policy, the political decision to favor emigration from British and Euro European immigrants over non-white immigrants, especially Asians, Chinese in particular. Anti-Chinese sentiment uh, was one of the driving forces behind the push for federation. Um, and this poster that you can see on the screen, you can see that there's uh, four uh, young women, each representing a different colony, uh, Victoria, Miss Victoria Central, and they're uh, uh, erecting a, uh, um, a barrier against um, a, um, a, a highly offensively racist depiction of a Chinese man. Uh, well, um, anti-Chinese sentiment was actually one of the driving forces behind the push for us to become a country. And although um, we've had significant numbers of Chinese people in Australia almost from the very beginning of colonization, there were many prejudices against them, and they were blamed for many of um, Australia's social ills. Uh, many people wanted all Chinese influence to be gone. Um, the irony was not lost on Amy. It was our own form of xenophobia. It was our own boxer movement. Amy realized that she was the product of this culture with its assumptions of Western superiority, together with, for her as a missionary, an inability to discern between Western cultural assumptions and the biblical gospel agenda. And back home in Sydney, reflecting on these things, Amy had the opportunity to consider carefully what was cultural, what was negotiable, versus what was essential to gospel communication and church growth. Uh, she learnt what we would today call cultural sensitivity. Well, back in China, Amy met a young doctor from England, Dr. George Wilkinson, um, who recently arrived to head up the CMS uh, hospital in Fuzhou. Um, George had um, studied medicine in Cambridge, and he was part of this quite famous revival at Cambridge University that had thoroughly scandalized the educated elite as many bright and young, um, uh, incredibly gifted young people from aristocratic backgrounds gave up uh, various things in order to answer the call to overseas mission. Um, Amy, um, as a single woman serving as a CMS missionary, she'd assumed that she would stay single her whole life. After all, marriage required her to formally resign as a missionary with CMS. But she and George found themselves working closely together. George is the director of the hospital, Amy is the founder and principal of, of, of the nearby school, both interested in health and education and gospel proclamation. And shortly thereafter, they were married. And Amy did resign, um, although now... Um, uh, as the wife of a missionary, she could continue to do exactly what she'd been doing before, albeit under the auspices of her husband's name. Um, George Wilkinson pioneered approaches to the treating of opium addiction, and he had great success. 
um, inpatients. They, they came in and they stayed for two or three weeks and they were given a course of tablets that included a small and diminishing amount of morphine, uh, itself an opium derivative, um, allowing patients to withdraw slowly whilst attempting at the same time to mitigate and to manage the severe, severe symptoms of, op of opiate withdrawal at the same time as a doctor. Part of the treatment process um, in a Christian missionary hospital was to have the gospel explained to you, um, to have the opportunity to attend daily voluntary Bible studies and prayer meetings, to mix physical healing with spirituality that is today for us perhaps somewhat alien we we now live in a world where it's difficult to place even a Gideon's Bible in in a state hospital um, hospital room um, but to mix physical needs and spiritual needs very very natural for the Chinese people indeed their previous efforts at overcoming opium addiction had been connected with ancestor worship and uh, temple religion. Um, the fact that this Christian mob were successful where they had failed had a profound impact on them. In one village, plans to build a new temple were cancelled and instead they decided to build a church. And as word spread from village to village, uh, larger and larger numbers of people came forward for treatment. But by about 1920, George and Amy... Um, uh, were regarded as uh, world authorities now in their respective fields. Amy in particular, the American Blind Society acknowledged Amy as the leading world expert on education for the blind, uh, along with uh, Helen Keller. Um, in July 1920, Amy was awarded the highest honor that the Chinese government bestows on foreigners, the Order of the Golden Grain an award that was given to her in a massive ceremony, a matter of exceedingly great national honor. Um, this was international news in 1920. And Amy Oxley Wilkinson was well known. If not perhaps exactly a household name, then certainly reasonably famous. The award was also a tremendous witness to the gospel. It was widely recognized, widely recognized by the Chinese people themselves that Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism had no answers for these boys, but rather left them to die or to become fortune tellers. The man who presented Amy with her medal, himself a Confucianist, made it clear that whilst, he was, whilst they were deeply grateful to Amy for all she had done for these boys they likewise, they struggled with their sense of shame that it had been left to a foreigner to do it. But in um, 1921, Amy and George uh, believed that their time in China had come to an end. Uh, they had two children, a boy and a girl, who lived with them in China in infancy. But there were limited, indeed inadequate, means for their education in China. So their primary education, um, for that, they stayed with relatives in England. Um, but the, as the kids reached early teenage years, the situation became more complex. The circumstances of their relatives changed, and the son's behavior became, became a source of concern. It was clear that the kids needed mum and dad, and it was clear that <laughs> they had to be home, and it was clear that the home had to be England 
for the kids' sake, if nothing else, for uh, their stability and education. And again, that continues to be something that missionaries discover again and again and again, that at, that at a certain time you've got to think very carefully about how you're placing the needs of the mission versus the needs of your children and how you are going to balance that, and that can be very painful. Um, so after more than 20 years in China, <clears throat> the Wilkinsons moved to England. Summarizing the next 28 years briefly, Amy got involved in ministry to the large Chinese community of the East End of London, the Docklands, um, evangelizing, church planting, and supporting the Chinese church in that area. And this became particularly important during the war years, uh, when the Docklands were heavily bombed, uh, and, and there were many casualties and many people uh, made homeless. Um, well, Amy Oxley Wilkinson was introduced to Queen uh, Mary, um, in 1922. That's Queen Mary the person, not Queen Mary the ship. Um, she was introduced to Queen Mary in 1922 when CMS held an ex exhibition in London on missions to Africa and Asia. Over a quarter of a million people attended that exhibition, which excited a great deal of interest and enthusiasm for world mission. I point this out because in pre-war England and Australia, the general populace was interested in gospel proclamation to the heathen, heathen in a way that we find difficult to imagine nowadays. The activities of CMS missionaries would be reported in major newspapers, and speaking at, uh, uh, engagements would attract thousands of people. Uh, well, Amy died in um, 1949, aged 81. George, in 1951, aged 86, and they're buried side by side in Tunbridge Wells in London. Um, today, Amy's school is still running, um, having survived two world wars, a number of local wars, several revolutions, and now today being run by the communists, it is no longer a Christian institution, but it acknowledges with pride its Christian heritage and continues to hold Amy in high honor as it continues to care for blind children, boys and girls, essentially following the model developed by Amy Oxley Wilkinson. To God be the glory, now and forever.